We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. This morning we want to talk about transformation. And what is it that really changes when we are transformed by Jesus Christ? We talked last week about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where the Bible says, If any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creation. New creation. What happens? Old things pass away and everything becomes new. So when we hear that scripture, we have to ask ourselves, what exactly does change? And can I be really real for a moment? There's a lot of times in Christian circles that people claim to know Jesus Christ and they say, I've accepted him as my Lord and Savior, but we see no evidence of the transformation. We see no evidence of the Spirit of God working in lives. You see, I believe that if we are transformed by the Holy Spirit of God, then our actions should change. Come on, folks, it isn't appropriate to give the one-finger wave when you get cut off in traffic. That's not transformation. It just isn't. We need to understand our actions should change. Our thought patterns should change. Our behaviors should change. Our speech should change. If we have truly been transformed by a living God, if we truly believe Jesus died on a cross for my sins, and when I confess Him as my Savior, He forgives me, comes into my life. If I really believe that, something's got to change. That's why I love that video. You may be tired of it by now. Get over it. Because you're going to see it at least one more time. I love that video. It's all about transformation. It's all about allowing the spirit of the living God to come into our hearts and to come into our lives. So if we claim to be children of God, but there is no evidence of change in our lives, then the question is, are we? Because everyone that Jesus encountered experienced a power to change their lives. Now, let's not lose focus of the fact that, yes, we're changed for eternity. Our destiny is changed from heaven to hell, or from hell to heaven. Boy, I got that backwards, didn't I? We're going to be a mass exodus this morning. Our destiny is changed, but at the same time, he isn't interested in just doing something for me for eternity. He wants to do something for today. He wants to make a difference in me today. The quote is in your outline from Max Dupree. You've heard it twice already. You know, I really believe that you keep saying the same thing until it finally takes root. Amen? He said, we can't become what we need to be by remaining what we are. Change is required. Change is required. And when we think about that, we realize with change, there comes risk. You know, a lot of us don't want to change because we don't want the risk. We can't see the end. We don't know where it's going to take us. We don't know how that applies to our life, so we just stay right where we're at. I'm comfortable here. I'm okay here. I really don't need to change. Kind of reminds me of the 100-year-old man that was marrying a 64-year-old lady. And the reporter said to him, Sir, don't you realize that could be hazardous to your health? Someone could even die. And he said, Well, if she dies, she dies. Come on, you got to take a risk if you're going to see transformation and change in your heart and in your life. Would you agree with me that we need transformation? If so, would you raise your hand and say that? I need transformation. You know, Cindy was just talking a moment ago about what's happening in our young people. 
I'm here to tell you our culture needs transformation. But let me say it again. The culture will not be transformed until the church of Jesus Christ is transformed. Until you and I embody and embrace the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us every single day. Not just on Sunday morning when we can come down to church and we can sing and we can dance and we can shout. But on Monday morning when the boss is gripey and the co-worker is cross. When the kids won't get out of bed. When your wife nags at you and makes you mad. Or your husband, however it works. We have to be the person who understands transformation is every day. It affects every area of our life, every part of our being. We are transformed. The problem with admitting that we need transformation is we are also admitting there's something not quite, not quite where it ought to be in my life. Something not quite where God wants it to be in me. And listen, there's a lot of times we won't accept the transformation of the Spirit of God until we become so dissatisfied with where we're at. We talked about that last week, reasons why people change. I won't go over it again, but you can go back and get that media and read it again. It has to be more than lip service. Transformation has to be more than a church service. It has to be something that affects us every single day. We have to become desperate for something different. That's not in your notes, but you ought to write that down. It's pretty good stuff. We have to become desperate for something different. I'm tired of the status quo. I'm tired of it looking the same way every day. I'm tired of things as they are. Bring some transformation into my life. Bring some transformation into this church. Bring some transformation into this community, into this state, into our nation. Oh, Spirit of God, come and transform us. I'm going to say this probably every week until you finally get it. Help does not come from Washington, D.C., I'm here to tell you, the politicians are not going to correct what's wrong in our culture. The only cure for our culture is the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of the Son of God, and people encountering Him and having their lives transformed. It's the only cure. If we're looking to Washington, it doesn't matter if it's Hillary or Donald. They aren't going to affect change in America because you can't change a spiritual problem from a natural perspective. You can't change a spiritual problem from a humanistic philosophy. It only comes by the Spirit of the living God. Now, I'm not telling you not to vote. I'm telling you to vote your conscience, but don't think your vote is going to make a difference in the direction of America. What makes a difference in the direction of America is this. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Change my heart, O God! Make it ever pure! Oh, come on, church, that's the only answer. You know, I'm thrilled to be going to Costa Rica. The last time I was there, the devil tried to take me out, got bit by a two-step snake, was supposed to be dead. But God had another plan. I'm here to tell you, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to quit, not to stop, let me say this correctly, to stop not going places because we're afraid. It's time for the church of Jesus Christ to be transformed with a Holy Ghost power and boldness that says, Devil, you may think you're bad, but you haven't met me yet. I'm bad with the Holy Ghost. And if you want to fight, bring it on. Because I'm not staying out of that neighborhood. I'm not staying out of that school. I'm not staying off that campus university. Oh, come on, somebody. Transformation begins with you and me. Transformation begins with you and me.
Change is required. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 9 is our text this morning. We're going to talk about the fact that God wants to transform our mind, our thought processes. So look at it with me, Romans 8, 5 through 9. For those who live according to the flesh, and you remember by definition, we talked about this the last two weeks, that's the Greek word sarks, and it means what is external. So when you see flesh or carnal in our text this morning, it's the same word and it means what is external. It also means human nature. So when you live according to human nature, let's read it that way. When you live according to human nature, having your mind set on the things of the flesh. And that term, mindset, it literally means to intensely pursue. If your mind is intensely pursuing the things of the carnal nature, the things that are external, the things that are natural in human nature, then this is what it says. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. I've heard that before in Romans, haven't you? Try it this way from chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ. Paul's saying the same thing again, just in a different way. That's why we say the same things in different ways so that it hopes it will strike you and, and spawn transformation in hearts and in life. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity, and that word means hostile. Hostile against or toward God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Now there's a sermon right in itself. We have got to come to the place where we recognize, I can't serve God in this church and serve myself outside this church. Come on, it ain't about riding the fence, folks. I'll never forget the first church I was pastoring. It was a little country church in southern Kansas years ago. And they were kind of uptight, you know what I mean? Uptight. Well, I'm a country boy, and a lot of my expressions come from the farm. And I was talking about living, trying to live with both feet, one in the church and one in the world. And I made this statement. If it offends you, I'm just going to laugh. I made this statement. If you try to straddle the fence, you're going to get splinters in your crotch. And you would have thought I had cussed. Come on, folks. It's time to get over that nonsense. And understand, sometimes God wants us to draw a word picture that is vivid, that is real, that we get. That's what he's saying in this verse of Scripture. The carnal mind is enmity, hostile towards God. Not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are living in the human nature. Those who are intensely fixed on the external cannot please God. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone doesn't have the Spirit of, God, of Christ, he is not his. So we read this passage of Scripture and we understand transformation occurs first in our minds. God wants to change our mindset, what we intensely pursue. God wants to change our passions, what we chase after. And he does that according to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, by the renewing or transformation. What does it say? Be ye not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, you read that scripture and you understand this isn't a one-time thing. 
Yes, I came down to an altar. I got saved. God did a work in me. That's all I need. Thank you very much. No, folks, that's the starting line. You just entered a race and you're trying to get to the finish line, which is heaven. But we need to understand to do that every single day, our mind needs to be renewed. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Why should our mind be renewed? So that we can show God to those around us. So that we can live the way God has called us to live. I'm not a closed line preacher, you know that. I'm going to give, not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts. But I am going to say, if you will walk in the Spirit of God and He renews your mind day by day, you're going to find some old junk falling off. Because that's what happens in transformation. Something dies so that something new can take its place. Isaiah chapter 43 verses 18 and 19 are a scripture that tell us what God thinks about transformation. He says it this way. Remember not the former things. Remember, remembering is a function of the mind, correct? Remember not the former things. Forget about yesterday. Your successes and your failures, put them behind you. It doesn't matter. It's not about yesterday. It's about today. Remember you not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Consideration, logic, a function of the mind. And then he goes on to say, I'm going to do a new thing. It's going to spring forth and you will know it. The King James says, shall ye not know it? It's a question there. Well, I want us to understand that if God's doing something in us, it's going to bring some startleization into our minds. It's going to bring some shazam into our minds. It's going to bring us to the place where we say, I can't believe what God just did for me. Shall ye not know it? And then you go on and read that scripture and it goes on to say these words. I'll make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. In other words, what you couldn't fix, what you couldn't conquer, what you couldn't solve, I'm going to do it through you. Because I've already told you, forget the past. Don't consider that old stuff, good or bad, and move on and let me do a new thing in your heart and in your mind. So we understand transformation is an aspect of God moving in our minds. And he wants to do, according to Isaiah 43, a new thing. But in order for a new thing to be accomplished, some old things have got to die. I was pretty straight with you about this last week, and I need to say it again. Some of you have grown up believing things that just aren't true. Some of you have grown up hanging on to things that will not bring you to victory. And it's time to shake off that old junk that you were taught in some dead, dry, decrepit building. It's not the church, it's a building. The church is the body of Jesus Christ, and the church is alive. The church is vibrant. The church is spirit-filled. The church is being transformed day by day by day and becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Those things you were taught in some old building with a sign out in front of the said church. You need to let it go. You need to shake it off. You need to allow God to transform your mind and the way you think and what you believe. It's time to allow God to bring out the best in you through transformation. Through transformation. We need to understand today that we often 
fail to allow that to happen. We're often distracted and turned aside. But when I accepted Christ in my life, He transformed my spirit. He brought life to me. What was dead, He brought to life. And then the next step is He renews my mind every day. Every day, He renews my mind. We need to understand that transformation means we begin to think differently than when we met Jesus. So what do we think about? I'm glad the Word has the answer, aren't you? Philippians, you can find it there. In chapter uh, 4, excuse me, 3, verse 8, this is what Paul said, The things I once thought about, they don't matter anymore. The things I once thought were important, I realize they're not. Matter of fact, he went on to say, I just count them but dung. They're of no value whatsoever to me. No value whatsoever. Verse 15, he says, so let's keep focused on that goal. This is from the message. Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision and you will see it. Chapter 4, verse 23 tells us we are renewed in our mind. So when we begin to understand this, we understand the way we think is crucial to our transformation. Because if we don't change the way we think, we will never see complete transformation in our hearts and in our lives. So think of it this way. If we continue to believe what we have always believed, if we continue to believe what we have always believed, we will continue to act the way we have always acted. If we, if we want to see change in our lives, then we have to change the way we think. Change the way we think. Folks, I'm sorry that Florida State lost yesterday. <laughs> Welcome to the two-loss club. My Sooners have too. I'm sorry. But your eternal destiny, your happiness, your peace, your joy doesn't lay on the back of some 20-year-olds playing football on the football field. And for all the Hurricane fans in this place today, congratulations. You know how hard that is for me to say. That is so tough for me to spit out. But we've got to change the way we think. So many people down and depressed because the football team isn't doing what they thought they would do. Oh, come on, folks. It's time to get over it and understand my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and His righteousness. It's not written on the back of some 20-year-old playing football. Give me a break. we got to change the way we think. I'm serious. So many times churches are down in attendance in Tallahassee when Florida State loses. Are you kidding me? What does that have to do with church life? I know I'm I'm walking a very difficult place here and I'm thin ice. But you need to understand we're about the kingdom. And the kingdom is a whole lot bigger than what happens down at the stadium. The kingdom is about life and eternal life. The kingdom is about transformation. They do need some defense transformation, by the way, just to throw that in. (laughs) Tell you what. Unbelievable. (laughs) So God wants to change what we think about. He wants to change our thought life. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, the word says, Jesus knew the thoughts of the Pharisees. Oh, pardon me. What's going on? Oh, my phone's ringing. Hello? Hey, why are you calling me? I'm preaching. 
Well, we will eat lunch after I'm finished, and that's 2 o'clock today. Yeah, I know, I understand. You see, Jesus knows our thoughts. I guarantee you. I'm going to hang up right now. Every one of us haven't been tuned in. Some of you are already checking the NFL scores on your phone. We have been distracted. Our mind only changes when we push out the distractions. When we refuse to allow things to come into our life, to take our attention off of what God is wanting to do. Some of you don't allow transformation because you've been disappointed. Yvonne alluded to it. We're not perfect in this place. We admit that. My goodness, if you're looking for a perfect preacher and a perfect church going down the road, this isn't the place. But if you're looking for a place where we passionately pursue a living God and where the Holy Spirit of God has room to move and work, where people are touched and transformed every single day, where sick bodies are healed and those that are oppressed are set free, you found your church. Come on, distractions, disappointments. Well, I went to church one time and they just didn't live up to the hype. Because the kingdom isn't about hype. And, and let me tell you something, the kingdom isn't about your opinion either. There's one opinion that matters in this place, and it's that of the Son of the living God. My opinion doesn't matter either, so don't think I'm picking on you. He has to transform our thought processes. Sometimes we get so discouraged that we can't allow God to move in our minds. All we can think about is what's right in front of us. All we can think about is that problem we're facing. And a spirit of discouragement comes in and it robs us of what God wants to do. Oh, listen to me, friend. I understand discouragement is a natural human emotion. But I also understand that we are not called to live in the flesh, human nature. We are called to live in the spirit And when discouragement comes in, the Spirit of God should rise up within us and rebuke the devourer and allow us to walk and live in a greater victory. Now, sometimes that's not instantaneous. You have to activate your faith. You have to say, what I'm feeling is natural, but I'm not living in the natural. What I'm feeling is normal for humans, but I don't live in that realm anymore. I live in the realm of the Spirit of the living God who loves me and gave Himself for me. Oh, come on, read verse 11 of Romans chapter 8. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you. In you. So we let things bother us. Why? Well, yes, it's natural. But do you understand what I'm saying? Transformation takes us from the natural to the spiritual. It takes us from the way we've always lived to the way God wants us to live. The church will never be a vibrant witness in the community until we learn to allow God to transform our thoughts. Until we allow God to transform the processes that happen in our mind. Philippians 4.8 teaches us how we should think. We're going to put this verse on the screen. I want you to read it. Finally, brethren, that's you and me. Finally. This is a statement of great importance. Finally. What sort of things are, write it down, true. What sort of things are 
honorable, what sort of things are just, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. That's the way we're to discipline and to train our mind. That's transformation. When we see and we think from that perspective. Oh, listen, there's enough in the world to make us not think from that perspective. I guarantee you, before you close the day today, somebody's going to tell you a juicy bit of gossip about somebody else. Yeah, it happens here too. We're working on it. That's all I can tell you. We're working on it. But you need to understand, if it doesn't fall in that definition of things we should think about, you don't entertain it. You are not to be the news bulletin for today. You are to be the good news bulletin for today. And the good news says, I'm going to think about things that are true. Do you know the devil is the liar and the father of all lies and he loves to insinuate, he loves to infuse with false truths or half-truths to get your mind off of what God wants to do in your heart and in your life. It's time to step up and say, devil, you're a liar. I'm not believing that old junk anymore. I'm being transformed in my mind every single day and I'm going to think about what's true. What's true? What is the standard of truth? It's right here, folks. It's the Word of God. It goes on to say, honorable. That's an old word we don't use much anymore. With honor. With honor. Oh, we're the ones that want to be honored. We're the ones that want to be praised. Do you hear where I'm going with this? It's time to understand we change the way we think. Things that are just and pure and lovely and of good reports. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So let me ask you, does that sound like your thought life? i got to be honest, it's not mine every moment of every day. I have to fight that booger. And any time the devil comes in with a negative word or a lying word or a discouraging word, there's got to be something in me that rises up against it and says, I know what that is and I know who you are and I'm not going to believe it. I choose to believe the report of the Lord. Does that describe your thought life? What do you think about? What clouds your mind? Are there errors of your thought life that would not fit into the descriptions of true, pure, honorable, of good report. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5 tells us this. Though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Again, what does that word mean? External, of human nature. Are not carnal, but are mighty to get through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And what strongholds does the word pull down through our weapons? He tells us very clearly. Casting down vain imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes, you can be afraid 24-7, but that's not where God wants you to live. Yes, you can be discouraged and walk around with your head down every day of your life, but that's not where God wants you to live. Yes, you can live in a place of... of, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I hate that when I lose a word, don't you? You can live in a place of complete paranoia. 
Everybody's against me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. But that's not the plan of God for your life. God's plan is that you exercise the weapons of your warfare, which are mighty through God, casting down vain imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge. That's a mind function. The knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Okay, I should have brought my lasso with me this morning. What a great illustration if I would have just lassoed Ezekiel right now. Pulled him up here beside me. And I would have said, Ezekiel, that thought that you represent does not align with God's word. So Ezekiel, I'm casting it down. I'm bringing it into captivity. It will not rule and reign anymore in my life because there is power and there is authority. Thank you, brother. I love you, man. There is authority in what God wants to do in and through us. Come on, somebody. It's time to understand he changes our thought life. We do have the ability to control what we think. That couldn't happen. I couldn't help it. It just happened. Nonsense. That's not what the Word says. That's baloney. We need to be aware that every thought and imagination in our mind, if it doesn't line up with God's Word, should be banished from our mind. Most of the problem in our thought lives is what we put in. Is what stimulates our mind. It's what we see and think and dwell upon. Is it any wonder that we struggle in our thought life? Do you realize that by the time a person is 18 years old, they've seen 180,000 180000 beer commercials on TV? Wow, pop a top again. Let's enjoy the high life. This bud's for you. Now, folks, I'm not telling you you can't drink, but I am telling you that if your thought life is transformed, that stuff's going to fall away. And the money, I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to. The money you're wasting on Pap's Blue Ribbon can be invested in the kingdom of God and souls can be born into the kingdom and changed for all eternity. Thank you. It's time to understand God does something in our thought life. By the time you're 18 years old, you've seen 80 80,000 murders on television. Is it any wonder our society is so violent? Folks, it's not about guns. It's about the mind. We've got to get that in our mind. We blame an external factor when in fact it's an internal problem. Our inner cities are torn apart today because of the influence, the stuff we're putting in. Do you realize that studies tell us the average child is exposed to five and one-half hours of media every day. That's television, the internet, the iPad, the iPhone, the on and on and on you go. Five and a half hours. It's no wonder we're seeing the result of what we are putting into our mind. And if we don't have something to counteract all the junk, then we're going to go down that wrong path. We need to understand it's only the Word of God. Ephesians 5.26, we are washed by the Word of God. It's only the Word of God that counteracts everything that culture and society puts into our mind. And if the only time I break open the book is Sunday morning at 11.15 to read what the pastor is preaching, 
I'm not going to have enough of the word in my mind to counteract what culture is telling me. And as a result, I'm not going to live a transformed life. I'm going to live a defeated Christian life. And then every time there's an altar call, I'm running down to ask God to forgive me again because I didn't do what I know I ought to do from the little exposure I have to the Word of God. Folks, I'm telling you, if you'll start the day with the book, if you'll end the day with the book, carry one in your car, put one in your desk, put one in your computer bag, set it up on your toolbox, wherever you may be, and break it open when you have five minutes to spare and read what God has to say. His word will transform your mind. Ephesians 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he's not talking about preachers preaching sermons there. He's talking about the spirit hearing what God says when we begin to read it and apply it into our hearts and into our lives. We need to hear the word on a regular daily basis. Paul said in Ephesians 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You want to go on the offense with the devil? Well, you better have your sword. And the sword is the Word of God. And you better know the Word of God so that when he comes against you with lies and deceit and tries to terrorize you, you've got a sword that defeats him, that sets him to flight. That causes him to run in defeat. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, of the joints and the marrow. It's a, listen to this, discerner of thoughts. Discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You want Transformation. Get in the book. You want transformation? Have a daily Bible reading plan. Again, I'm not a legalist, but you need to do something to get the word into you so that your mind is washed every day and renewed every day by the word of the living God. So when the devil comes against you, you raise the sword and he's got to flee. He's got to flee. It's all about transformation in the mind. Transformation in the mind. What did Philippians 4, 8 say? What the, whatsoever things are. True, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report. Think on these things. So now I'm going to give you a piece of advice that's going to set you free. When old nervous Nellie and old gossiping Sam come against you and they start telling you what they heard, you know what you do? Stop. I don't want to hear it. I'm not interested. I don't go down that road. Get out of my face. Well, that might offend them. Good. It's time for my faith to be offensive to the culture of the world. If my faith isn't offensive to those that are serving the devil, my faith is of no value. You see, we're looking to get along and go along. It's time to stop that nonsense. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a confrontation to the culture of sin and of the enemy. And you and I have to understand, I can't think like everyone else thinks and be a victor in Jesus Christ. It's time for my mind to change. My mind to change. You say, well, if I apply these principles, then am I guaranteed success in this life? Oh, yeah, you're going to be a millionaire. You'll never be sick. You're going to have the biggest house on the... Come on, get over it. 
What, where does that thinking come from? It comes from the socks, the flesh, the carnal, the natural. What is exterior? What I will guarantee you is if you allow God to transform your mind through the word of the living God, you're going to live in peace. You're going to be filled with joy. You're going to walk in contentment. You're going to be a believer that is a witness and a testimony to those around you because even in the storms, you stand and are not rocked or swayed. Hebrews chapter 11, it's that great chapter of faith and I'm winding it down. The writer of Hebrews goes back and recalls that role of faith. He says, have you considered Abel, who offered a more excellent sacrifice to God? What happened to Abel? His brother Cain killed him. So in our eyes, that wasn't very successful, but in God's eyes, it was the more excellent sacrifice. He said, have you thought about Enoch, who walked with God and was no more because God took him? Have you thought about Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord? Have you considered Abraham and Sarah, who God called out of the earth of the Chaldees to follow him and become the father and the mother of a mighty nation? He said, have you considered Joseph, who was sold into slavery, spent 13 years in prison? That isn't success by any definition. But God wasn't finished for him yet, so much so that he could say, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. See, it's all in the mind. Have you considered Moses? Have you considered Rahab? Do you realize that Rahab was a prostitute? Yet when you read the lineage of Jesus Christ, she's right there. Oh, that ought to bring hope to somebody today. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. My Savior has good news for you. He still saves and delivers and heals and transforms. So much so that he put a prostitute in the bloodline of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. That's powerful. And then he went on to say, what could we say then of Gideon? of David, of Samson. And I'm reading these verses, beginning in verse 33. Who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of the lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others, I'm going to stop right there. Those first verses are our definition of victory. Think about this is what they did. Quench the violence of fire, escape the edge of the sword. Out of their weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in the fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead to life again. That's victory by our definition. That's success by our definition. But the writer didn't want us to have a jilted point of view. He didn't want us to think that when the chips are down... We've lost. When the diagnosis is bad, we're done for. When the bank account is empty, we're bankrupt. He didn't want us to think that way. So he went on to make these statements. Others were tortured, not accepting their deliverance. Listen, folks, it's happening around the world today. Believers are being tortured because they refuse to deny the name of Jesus Christ. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. 
Oh, he sticks that little nugget in there to remind you and I, this isn't what it's all about. Over there is what it's all about. We're just getting warmed up and tuned up so we can live eternally with the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 36, others had a trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Moreover, bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned and sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented. But I love this statement because he's saying again, they weren't defeated. They weren't defeated. That old definition of success needs to go out the window. Don't you dare tell somebody who's in a fight and in a struggle, well, you must not have enough faith. Man, if I hear about that, I'm going to get in your face. I will not be a nice guy. Don't you even destroy the faith of a believer who's going through a tough time. But rather, your response is to stand with them and say, Brother, I know this too is going to pass. I know that my God is able. I'm going to join my faith with yours. And God will do something mighty through you and in you. And I love that next statement. He said, of whom the world was not worthy. Talk about all those folks that we think were defeated. The world wasn't worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Look at verse 39. And all these having obtained a good report through faith. Who is that good report from? It's from the Father. It's from the Father. He's looking at the scorecard. He's looking at the report card. And he sees when you're in the trial. He sees when you're in the fire. He sees when the enemy is coming against you. And when you stand resolute in your faith, he said it's an A plus every time. I give you a good report. Oh, come on, church, it's time to understand sometimes tough things occur in our lives because we are human beings. But it doesn't mean God doesn't love us. It doesn't mean God has forgotten us. It doesn't mean God has sold us out. Rather, it means that He is watching His power and His Spirit go to work in you and me. So even if my body is being destroyed by cancer, even if my job is gone and there are no other prospects, even if my home is a wreck and my teens are in rebellion and my wife is walking out or my husband is leaving me, I can stand firm in faith and I can know I'm going to get an A+. I'm going to get a good report because the Lord is keeping track of our lives today. So we need to understand success isn't guaranteed in this life, but it's guaranteed in the next life. Wrapping it up, one final scripture, Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, Paul said it this way. So set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. You see, we began Romans 8. Verse 6, set your mind. And we conclude with Colossians, set your mind. You want to live in victory regardless of what's happening out here? Set your mind on the things of God. Let your mind be renewed day by day. Let the Word of God become that washing agent that cleanses the pollution of the world and culture and society from your mind. And most of all, don't believe the lie of the enemy. The devil is a liar. He always has been. He always will be. He couldn't speak the truth even if it was more pertinent. He's a liar. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Tom, will you come back, please? 
I want to go back to freedom this morning, Tom. I told you something different, but we're going to do freedom. This is what we're going to do. If you're in this place this morning, we're going to sing this through one time, and then the Holy Ghost of God is going to speak directly into your life after we sing it one time. Come on, Courtney, get right up here. I want you right up here beside me, and I want you to sing that out. Let's go with it. Come on, right now. Freedom. Our prayer is that God will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. Father, we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener, draw them to you, and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life. And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida. A multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church. Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.